0: The following sermon by Jonathan Edwards is called Youth is like a flower that is cut down. He comes forth like a flower and is cut down, Job 14 verse 2. In these words, I would observe first what man with respect to his present life is compared to. A flower, which is a beautiful, pleasant part of the plant and most commonly is put forth in the spring, in the pleasantest part of the year and then appears fair and flourishing. And number two, we may observe two things wherein he especially resembles a flower, in his beginning and end. In his beginning or his coming forth, he is like a flower. A flower in the spring of the year soon comes forth. It is not long a putting out, In a day or two after it first begins to put forth, it appears in a full blossom. So man comes forth quickly. Soon after he comes into the world, he grows up. He comes on to the stage of action and begins to make a fair and promising appearance. He is useful in the family to which he belongs and is taken notice of by others. He grows in stature and understanding and action. Number two, but he is like a flower in the end. He is cut down. The flower that comes forth is soon gone. As it comes forth in a day or two, so in two or three days more, it is gone. Presently, after the leaves of the flower are full spread out, it falls. The wind blows it away, off from the trees. And the flower that grows in the field in the midst of its flourishing, in its most blooming state, is oftentimes cut down at once with one stroke of the scythe. Doctrine And speaking to these words, I would first show how they are applicable to mankind in general, and number two, especially to those that die in their youth, and then we will make an application of it. It may well be said of every man, he comes forth like a flower and is cut down. Man is a creature that God has set in honor. He is, as it were, the flower of the lower creation. As a flower is as it were the crown of the plant on which it grows, so is man the crown of this lower world. God has given him a more comely and majestic aspect than the rest of the creatures. He has endowed him with excellent faculties of mind, but death soon comes and puts an end to his being in this world. How fair and flourishing, soever he appeared for a while, he is cut down and then he ceases any more to make a figure in human society. However fair and comely in body he was, death mars his beauty, changes his countenance, and sends him away. How considerable soever he might be amongst men, death turns him to vile dust. How dear soever he was to his friends and relations, death soon takes him from them and makes that alteration in him that they desire to have him buried out of their sight. When a person is dead, he never will be any more in this world. He is gone where he shall not return. There is hope of a tree that is cut down, and it may sprout again, and a tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the roots of it wax old in the earth, and the stalk of it die in the ground, Through the sin of water it may bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dies and wastes away. Yea, man gives up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decays and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise again. Until the heavens be no more, Job 14, verses 7 to 12. When he is dead, all his concern in this world is then at end. But... Number two, this especially is applicable to those that die in their youth. Here first, a person in his youth may fitly be compared to a flower. His flowers do mostly appear in the spring of the year, when the year is in its beginning, and all things are putting forth and growing. So youth is, as it were, the spring season of life. As to those herbs or plants that are but of a year's continuance, the time of their flowering or blossoming is in their youth, or in the former part of their life. Towards the close of the year, they are wont to bear seed or fruit. So youth is the former part of life, the flower is the fairest and most beautiful part of the plant. The flower at first appears fresh and lively and very pleasing to the eye, and sends forth a pleasant fragrance. So is the time of youth, a time wherein human nature makes the fairest and most blooming appearance in many respects. The body, then, is in its greatest comeliness and activity. Then oftentimes persons appear as a pleasant flower. Their faculties begin to bud forth, and they are pleasant to their parents and other relations, and they are pleasant among their companions. When the plant is in the flower, it seems to rejoice. How do the trees in the face of the earth in the spring, when covered with flowers, seem to be joyful? So the time of youth is a time in which persons are wont most to rejoice in the good things of this world. Then their spirits are most lively, and their appetites the strongest. Then they have the greatest relish of the comforts and pleasures of this life. Then. Dear most disposed to merriment and diversion, the flower is a very promising part of the plant. It is not only in itself very fair and pleasant, but it promises fruit to succeed. When we see a tree full of flowers or blossoms, and we hope that it will bear well that year. So youth is an age in which persons are commonly full of hopes and promises to themselves of the good and prosperity that they shall see in the world. They are just entering upon the stage of the world, and they promise themselves much that they shall see and enjoy afterwards. And their parents and friends also are ready to promise themselves much future comfort in them, and are full of hope of seeing them settled, and oftentimes are full of hope of the figure they will make in the world. A flower is a part of the plant that is very sudden in its growth. So a young persons, but very lately received in existence, they are as it were suddenly come forth and come upon the stage of the world. Second, when young people die, then the flower is cut down. A flower is a part of the plant that appears furthest from death and yet is nearest to it. There is no part of the tree that appears so lively as a flower, and yet no part of it that is so short-lived. How soon does it vanish? How soon does the wind blow it away? This implies two things first, that death puts an end to all this pleasant, promising appearance of young persons, and to all their concerns in the world. Number two, it sometimes does this suddenly. The flower then is cut down with a scythe. It falls at once. At one moment it stands in its flourishing state. In the next, it is cut down. So it is, as it were, oftentimes with young people. How often do they die without many days' warning? It is unexpected. They have little time to think of death. Diseases seize them strongly, baffles all medicines, and hastens him out of the world. Application. Do you said I would make of what has been said is to exhort and beseech the young people that are here, present, to get ready for death, What you have now heard from the word of God you have lately seen verified in the providence of God. There have been several instances of it in the town. God tells you in his word, and has now been telling you, how that man comes forth as a flower, and is cut down. And he has not only told you so, but he has been showing of you that it is so. He has cut down one flower after another of those that were but lately come forth, that were as it were just in the blossom. He has spoken not only once, but twice, yea, thrice. God is pleased to cut down some to be a warning to others. He awfully takes away some by death that others that survive might take warning, which is much more than if God only spoke in his word to give you warning. When God slays one to warn others, such a warning is a costly warning, and they are obdurate to disregard it. It would be stupid hardness and provoking obstinacy in you to disregard one such warning. But God has repeated his witnesses and has called to you with so awful and solemn a voice once and again and again, besides two instances of death and those that were just entered as it were upon adult youth. God has now very lately taken away one that was in their very morning and blossom of life. A very hopeful young man that you knew very well, that you used to see often. You used to see him at the church meetings, during attending the public worship of God and sitting to hear his word, and one that you saw very lately publicly presenting himself solemnly to own his covenant and stand with some others of you in the house of God, and lately sat with you at the Lord's table and one that you have often seen about in the town, and that many of you have been conversing with. He has been a companion to many of you, one that was a pleasant flower, as it were. He had but just bloomed, one that was a pleasant flower in the family he belonged to, a flourishing plant, begun to be very helpful and serviceable there. This flower you see is cut down, and he is withered and gone. The place that has known him will know him no more. Your eyes that have seen him will see him no more in this world. He has gone into an eternal state and condition. He was young as you are. He was in like circumstances with many of you. A little while ago, he appeared as likely to live as you. When you lately saw him at meeting. When he lately stood up to make open profession of the Christian religion. When he lately sat at the Lord's table when he lately was in company with one and another of you. What was there to show him to be nearer than death than you are? What appearance was there of his being so near to eternity? He didn't know of it. None of his friends knew anything of it. None of you could see any more signs of approaching death in him than in you, or in others. But yet, now he is gone. This flower you lately saw flourishing in the morning and spring of life is cut down. It is not to be seen, and you are yet spared. You as yet have an opportunity to prepare for death. Tis God that has taken him away, and tis God that has spared your lives. He has taken him away to give you warning, to prepare for death. God in this instance has shown you what you must before long be the subject of. He has shown you that you don't know how soon you may die. He has shown you that you don't know that you shall live till youth has passed. It is to be remarked in the death of this young person that he was taken away in the midst of a time of awakening amongst many young persons in the town. To show you what need you have to improve such times to your utmost. God shows you in this instance how uncertain you are that you shall live through this time of awakening. He doubtless hoped to have the benefit of it. He was endeavoring to make improvement of such an opportunity. He was much concerned for the salvation of his soul before he was taken sick. He was afraid of death and afraid of hell before there were any signs of the approaches of death. He was concerned to get ready for death and eternity and doubtless would have been much more distressed if he had known it had been so near at hand if he had known that there was but a step between him and eternity, there are probably but very few of you that are here present that are more awakened and more deeply concerned for the salvation of your souls than he was. How loud, therefore, is the call of God to you in this providence to make haste and escape for your life, to improve the present day without putting anything off until tomorrow to make haste and fly for refuge, and with all possible speed to get into Christ, that so you may be ready for death. How soon soever it may come, what a call is here to you to your utmost to improve the present season of the pouring out of the Spirit of God, while you have it, seeing you know not whether you shall live through it. And what a call is here to you that are awakened and concerned as he was that is gone to improve the time of the striving of God's spirit to your utmost, that your convictions may soon issue in conversion. God has shown you what great need you have of making haste, for death tarries not for men. When the appointed time for men to die comes, they must die, they must go, they must not exceed the bounds that God has set one inch, let their circumstances be what they will, if you are senseless and secure, when the appointed time comes for you to die, you must go, even if you had till then neglected this. Oh, therefore, let those that have hitherto neglected improve the present season and neglect it no longer. Death won't wait for you to prepare yourself. If you are found under deep concern at that time, death won't wait. Therefore, let those that are under concerns improve their time. Take heed of backsliding. If death should come when you are backsliding, how will you repent that you did not improve? If you die and death comes upon you and finds you unprepared, through your neglecting to take care and make haste to prepare for death, it will be your own fault. It will be your own foolish undoing yourself. God has not been wanting and giving you warnings. You have been much warned in the preaching of the word, and God has taken it into his hands immediately to give you warning. He has shown you that you don't know how soon you may die. He has shown you that there is no passing the bounds that he has set. The young person that lately died did not only die suddenly, but he was through the greatest part of his sickness very much deprived of the use of his reason which may show the folly of promising yourselves opportunity to seek salvation upon a deathbed. God is going on still in his providence to warn you. Besides, those young persons that have already launched forth into the boundless gulf of eternity, there is another young person that lives upon the brink of eternity with a consumption. It seems as though the time is near at hand when that person also must fetch a leap into an endless eternity, besides others that have been visited with sickness. Now therefore, you that are yet alive on this side of eternity, in the enjoyment of a day of grace, hearken and take warning. Be exhorted now to improve your time. Make haste every one of you to get into Christ where alone you can be safe. Every one of you make haste and be violent for the kingdom of heaven in like manners you have lately been directed. There is a necessity of it. What madness will it be for you to neglect when you hear so much and see so much as you do? What a pity it is that you have lost so much time as you have. In all probability most of you neglect to improve your time, therefore lose no more time. I can but exhort and beseech you, tis not in my power to save you, but tis God alone. I can but set your necessity plainly before you. There are and will be some that will not regard. However, there is none that has any due sense or due consideration of things can do any other than pity you. Considering that you have never dying souls in you that must in a little time be either in heaven or hell, considerable persons that have any love to their fellow creatures can do no less than reason the case with you. How miserable are you while unprepared for death? You don't know how soon you shall die. How happy will you be if you have an interest in Christ? You might be happy in this world. When you meet together, you might converse together of the things of God. This would be entertaining to you, and you would always be safe, and you should die in youth, and you would be happy. But thirdly, especially are those words applicable to some of those that die in youth first, as some such are endowed with those qualifications that are peculiar, pleasant, and promising. A flower is the most beautiful, pleasant, and fragrant part of the plant, that is most commonly put forth in the spring, the most pleasant part of the year as was observed before, and it is also the most promising part of the plant, promising fruit, and it may be observed in many flowers at the time of their opening themselves as in the morning, In the afternoon, they shut up. This therefore is a fit emblem of a young person in the bloom of life, with amiable, pleasant, and promising qualifications, not only with a blooming body, but mind also, with desirable natural or moral endowments, rendering comfortable, pleasant, and agreeable now to those that are round about, and giving hopes of much fruit hereafter to be brought forth, of much future serviceableness in the world. Such as these are sometimes cut down by death in their youth, as a pleasant flower in the spring and morning is cut down by the scythe of the mower, and sometimes this is done suddenly, not by fading as a leaf in the fall of the year, but as a flower that is cut down by the scythe, it is done at one stroke, and in use of exhortation to prepare for death, first to all, second to young people, to all, both young and old, the words of the text are spoken of mankind in general, though they are more especially applicable to young people. And as the word of God shows the exceeding frailty of mankind in general at all ages, so does God's providence and the dispensations of it amongst us in the week past, first, in the death of a young person in the bloom of youth, and then afterwards in the death of one advanced in years. And as the providence of God in these things is calling on both the old and young to be also ready, so I would now take occasion to exhort all to get ready for death, seeing your life as like a flower, liable suddenly to be cut down and wither. Therefore make haste to get that work done that must be done before death, and can't be done afterwards. Second Exhortation to exhort and beseech the young people of this congregation to prepare for death. You have lately had the truth of the words of the text set before you in a lively instance of one that lately died in this place and the very flower of youth. It was the Sabbath before last year in meeting without any sensible signs of approaching death? She was suddenly cut down. She faded like a flower. Her place here in the house of God you now see empty. This is a remarkable instance of human frailty and the great uncertainty of life. There was in this case, after she was first taken ill, speedy advice of physicians, likely means speedily used, and physicians were consulted from day to day while she lived. Any advice taken of more physicians than one. And so many doctors were consulted on her case and the means used that they jointly agreed upon, but yet nothing prevailed. But notwithstanding all means that could be used, she soon departed. God's appointed time was come, and no care attendance of friends or means or consultation of physicians could avail to prevent death from doing its work. Which may be a warning to you, not to flatter yourself in a dependence on anything for the preservation of your lives. Not to flatter yourself at all with that, that at present you see no signs of death that you are well enough to come to the house of God, and with any dependence on any care or means after you may be taken sick. God has set your bounds. You know not how near death is. When God's appointed time comes, nothing will save you. This instance may be a warning to you not to flatter yourself with hopes of much time to prepare after you were taken ill, or that you shall have any convenient season to prepare in your last Sickness. It is usually far otherwise. As it was in this instance, her pains and bodily distress from day to day were so great that if she had not taken care beforehand, she would have had but a poor opportunity to prepare. Therefore, let this instance be a warning to all you that are here present and are now in your youth. Without any delay to prepare for death, is there not a great number of you, young men and young women, did now sit in his house that have no reason to think that you are prepared? No reason to entertain a thought of your having any manner of preparation for death? Did ever you was the subject of that great change? That you are still a child of wrath. It is astonishing how you can enjoy any comfort. How you can be so easy. What would you do if you should in like manner be powerfully seized by illness? How dismal would your case be? And what reason in the world have you of dependence that you shall not be soon seized? And why will you delay? What can you do in a Christless, graceless condition in that war? What will you do with that terrible enemy? What will you do when your extreme parts grow cold and death begins to get hold? What will you do with death? Where will you look for comfort? What will you do for your poor soul that is going to leave the body? How will you go into the eternal world? How will you fetch that leap? How will you appear before God? And as to many of you that heretofore have had such extraordinary religious affections and thought you were converted. How is it now? After there has been a great deal of opportunity to see the nature, tendency, and ways of operation of your supposed grace and its consequences and fruits. When you consider these, is there any manner of reason to think that you are truly prepared for death? Have you any solid reason to think that your change was indeed a great change that the scripture speaks of? Will your buildings stand when the wind blows? Is there a great need that you should seek some better preparation for death? Some better foundation of peace and comfort? You know in what way Christ tells you, you must seek. Strive to enter heaven. Use violence. You must make it your great business. And why will you delay? Consider it. Is it wise? Is it reasonable? Let your own reason speak. Is it not worse than brutish folly? But I would take occasion from this instance of that blooming flower that was lately cut down by death, more particularly to exhort young people here present to the following things one. Avoid enlightened vain conversation. Don't let any filthy communication come out of your mouth contrary to that rule in Colossians 3 verse 8. But now you also put all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Don't delight in lascivious talking and jesting and lewd and filthy songs contrary to those rules. And avoid all profane speeches, speaking in a light manner of things that are of a sacred nature, as though you had not much reverence towards God in things divine and religion, but could lightly bring in these things to set off a jest and enliven your diversions with them. It becomes Christians to observe that rule in Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. When you meet together, contrive that your conversation may often turn upon something in some respect profitable, tending to some instruction. Let it not be all vain, light, empty, tending to nothing in the world else but to amuse you and waste your precious time, and to establish more and more of a habit of levity and vanity, and set you further and further in your disposition from anything that is serious tending to indispose you to all serious thoughts and concerns and make you unfit for any religious serious business and consequently unfit for death. Such an empty vain way of spending time is not becoming such poor, frail, dying creatures as men are. It administers no comfort on a deathbed. They don't agree with the commands of God and will not be agreeable to reflect upon then. There may be some diversion used by young people with moderation. This may be even in that which is both entertaining and profitable. There is more pleasure, better entertainment. There is no need of levity, no need of meeting together for nothing but to excite laughter. Consider these three texts. Laughter is mad. Ecclesiastes two. 2. Consider how unprofitable it is. Proverbs 14 for 13 The end of that mirth is heaviness. Matthew 12 for 36 For every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Concerning her that lately departed this life, there are some of you that had some acquaintance with her. You knew she was of a contrary disposition. She hated a vain conversation. He manifested living and dying a great delight in the society of the saints. I would ask such now what they think, whether they suppose if it had been otherwise it could reasonably be so comfortable to us, to parents. Could we have reviled the thoughts of such conversation and the ideas of what we saw, when we saw her dying and departing from this world with so much comfort?